0: Hey, this is Jason Richardson. Dr. Jason Richardson had a great conversation with Ryan Fulan about hard conversations, how to have those hard conversations, how to slow down to go faster, and how to ask questions, dig deeper, so everyone can get more. Welcome to the World of Speakers podcast, brought to you by Speaker Hub. In this special series, we interview speaking experts on how to navigate the coronavirus as a professional speaker. Here's your host, Ryan Foland.
1: Ahoy, everybody. Ahoy is in high or chips ahoy, whatever rings a bell in your mind. I'm super excited today for a very special guest, Dr. Jason Richardson. We actually met at the U.S. Sailing Conference when he was giving a keynote. That's right. Funny side story. I ended up being an example of an audience member that he was looking for, and we had a fun back and forth. But it was really just, I really loved your message. It was really inspiring and introspective. And that's why I thought to bring you on for the series of special edition episodes we have, really addressing what's happening now, including the pandemic, the social unrest, the real conversations that we need to have and we need to be aware of as speakers. And granted, we don't have a chance to really dive in within a 30-minute period, but this is just the start. And I wanted to start that conversation with you. But let's get to know you a little bit. Can you tell us a story about you or more about you and your experience and how you've become the speaker
0: that you are? I'm born in New Jersey. I started racing BMX at an early age because that's what my brother got into. And so I was just trying to be like my big brother. That became not only a hobby, but it became a profession. So I was able to be a professional BMX racer for 15 years. And the whole time I went to school because you needed that fallback plan, right?
1: Wait, you got paid to ride a bicycle for 15 years. I love it. I mean, that's
0: a dream right there. Yeah. So I was living the dream. And it's interesting. There were some ups and downs in that. There were some very great, robust years as a professional BMXer. And there were some very lean years. So I always say the staying in school kept me racing and racing kept me in school. But then I guess probably the biggest thing that happened, a trigger point in my career was breaking my femur, which is the big bone in your leg. That's not easy to break. If I recall, that's one of the hard, it's like that or your skull, right? takes quite a bit of force. And at that time I was able to squat about 515 pounds. So that's like two and a half my body weights. So my legs had a pretty good amount of size on them. So to get to that bone to actually, that's an incredible amount of force. Needless to say, I woke up the next day after being life flighted. Oh, quick side note, don't get hurt out of network. <laughs> okay. Anyways, long story bearable. Reflecting Wondering if this was going to be it, wondering if, and I was the old guy at that time, probably one of the oldest racing. So everyone thought I was going to be over for me racing wise. I even thought that my family thought that, but I didn't want to go out that way. And the other thing was, I think I just needed a carrot to chase after. So the goal or the intention to race again was great motivation to focus my efforts into healing and getting back up to speed. Thankfully, I was able to race eight months later, which is crazy. And thanks. I mean, honestly, modern medicine is, say what you will about insurance and co-pays, but like medicine, it's good. (laughs) Modern medicine. (laughs) That's the new campaign. Medicine, it's good. And all of it. I did everything from traditional, the osteopath, to the medical doctor, to acupuncture, to the chiropractor and everyone, you know, everything just kind of helped get me back on the gate to race, which was awesome. And so broke my leg in 2006 go to the Pan American Games in 2007 as not even the first or second pick. And I won, which was wow. a very nice way to cap off a career. So retired in 2008 as a racer. And by then I decided to become a psychologist because during my healing time and mending time and getting back into racing, I was like, you know, I went to business school, I'm an MBA. I said, but I'm not businessing, so to speak, in that formal sense. I was a little bit more of an entrepreneur. I didn't see myself doing inventory or creating some kind of product other than like possibly a book. But I said, you know what? I was a philosophy major. I worked with a sports psychologist. So it just seemed like the natural progression to retrain myself, become a psychologist, re-engineer my wins and losses, yeah. and help other athletes do that. But then along the way, that turned into executive coaching, workshopping, and speaking. So that is the story, my friend, and I'm sticking to it.
1: Long story bearable, I think you said. i never heard that, but I like it because it's not necessarily about the short, it's the bearable. And I was right there with you. So let's put your speaking cap on and your psychologist cap on. Right now for speakers, this is a wonky time with the pandemic and events being canceled. How have you been dealing with this? What's your experience been? What's your mentality? Are there certain tips that you would give speakers to ride out this storm? Because
0: essentially all of our speaker femurs have been broken. Yeah, great one. But our voices haven't been silent. Ah, I like that. And so this actually hit me when I decided to speak for a living. Because I went through some patches where I said, oh, man, I'm not getting any gigs. What's going on? And then I realized, wait, I don't necessarily need someone to pay me to speak. I want someone to pay me to speak. I can offer enough value for that. But I don't need someone to pay me to speak. So guess what? I'm going to speak anyway. Love it. And so I just got into my profession. It wasn't like Jason as the speaker. It was Jason is a speaker. So what happened was if I'm with a one-on-one client, I mean, there's a lot of listening there for sure. There's also a lot of speaking, right? If I'm at a dinner party, I'm not going into some kind of bit, but I'm going to speak. I'm going to say the things and incorporate a lot of the things that I would normally say on stage or in a group, appropriate, of course, for that situation. And then Then my world kind of opened up, not waiting for permission to do that. So as it pertains to actual business, actually getting gigs. So shifting my perspective on what speaking is helped me during this time as well, because I may not be on stage, but I still have a platform. You may not be on stage, you still have a platform. There's still a message. You can still help people ditch the act on your computer. You can still help people ditch the act at the grocery store, even if it's just a quick pick-me-up to someone else or whatever it may be. And so it was a bummer to get those cancellations and postpones and those, we're not sure what we're going to do messages, but you know, to use a term that's been overused, I'm pivoting. But a lot of this things can be done virtually. I got into creating content. Collaborating has been great. A podcast tour of sorts. I even flipped on my camera and I've asked people just to have conversations on Facebook live or Instagram and people that I've always wanted to talk to just to have an interesting conversation, which I think is a good segue into what our next topic was, just to have these interesting conversations. And there you have it. I'm speaking. And lo and behold, things are starting to open back up. But I can tell you personally that I'm getting people reaching out to me, not only for personal coaching, but for speaking. Because I've been in conversation this whole time. People have seen
1: you. They've heard your voice. It's not necessarily that you have a stage. You have a platform. And I think that it is a really good transition to talk about the larger conversation in the world right now as a result of George Floyd's death is really the tip of a larger conversation. The concept of Black Lives Matters, yes, it has to do with police brutality, but there's a way larger conversation and it keeps opening up. So somebody who traditionally maybe wouldn't have either access or even your professional BMX bike riding, like I don't know of anything that's more as an industry, like. I would assume that it's just a bunch of white kids on bikes, right? A (laughs) few. And I mean, so there's your experience in that and then helping somebody like me and other people know how to best contribute, how to be part of those conversations. And I called up a bunch of friends and it was just the baseline was talk about it. Let's get uncomfortable and let's get comfortable talking about what hasn't been talked about. As a speaker, having the stage and a
0: voice, what are your experiences with this? How do we do it? Well, you attended my talk at U.S. sailing. Yep. And a lot of that talk was questions. <laughs> there were questions. I mean, it wasn't even so much my content as much as it was the audience's content. Because I'm asking questions that are, they're not provocative, but they're questions that are forcing someone to really look at their behavior and not only just look at what they're doing, but why they're doing it. And they're fill in the blanks. Correct. And everybody would shout out and, well, not
1: everybody would shout out because it was a bunch of old white dudes, but I'm in the back shouting out to get them going.
0: They did all right. We got a couple. But yeah, it's to ask those questions. And the reason why I like questions is because it forces your brain to stop. Mm. In order to answer a question, especially if you're going to do it out loud or write it on paper for someone else, your brain literally has to stop, interrupt a pattern that it has normally had probably for years or months or maybe even your life yeah you formulate some kind of sensible string of words that not only makes sense to yourself but to the other person, and even if you stumble and you like right now and are searching for the words, that's healthy, so it's in the searching right It's in the working to find the right way and so what I like about what I'm appreciative about right, right now <laughs> let me be clear is that I think more people are open to an open discussion. And what I think is not getting enough play is how many people want to do the right thing, mm-hmm. even if they don't know what that right thing is, or if they get that right thing wrong. And as a mixed kid, who candidly grew up, I mean, my background was very Brady Bunch meets Cosby Joe. So my My Black experience is not the stereotypical one, I'll say it that way, although it is very common, to be fair, but it's not stereotypical. So my responsibility is not only to share that with anybody, we are more than just athletes and rappers, Black is not synonymous with ghetto, not only to share that with everyone, but it's also to share this message that, hey, look, we want to work towards finding a way to where we all can win. And when I say win, it's not like you over me or me over you. It's like that I can talk to Ryan and Ryan can talk to Jason. And we're at least working to understand each other, even though we don't completely agree necessarily. But that level of working towards understanding shows what? It shows respect. Because the truth is, we all have family members that we don't like necessarily. (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, you know, we've all been home for Christmas or Thanksgiving, like it's, you know. (laughs) Yes. Uncle Roy is weird, man. Like (laughs) it has no bearing on politics or color. Yeah. But even if we work to understand Uncle Roy, where is this dude coming from? It will reduce your defenses and increase Roy's engagement, possibly or at least the chances of his engagement will increase. Yeah. And so if we can do this with each other more often, and we said this in racing all the time, slow down to go faster.
1: Explain that in the racing concept, slow down to go faster. Is that to take lock, stock and barrel or go behind somebody or evaluate?
0: You're racing. So time is of the essence. (laughs) Yeah. But when we are in haste, sometimes we make mistakes. Right. And so when you're going around a course or a track and there's obstacles on that course or track, There's a lot of places in your haste that you could possibly make mistakes. And if you actually took the time to get it right, your overall time would be much better. Because you're not going to fall or you're not going to crash. Correct. Even if there was a certain way to take an obstacle and it was faster, if you're not doing that nine out of nine times, it doesn't matter if it's faster. Okay. I like that. If you can do it in the beginning of the day because you're fresh, but you're not able to do it come the time there's a final, is it faster? Is it better? So we can do that in our own lives. We can slow down to go faster. And I'm not blaming people. I posted the other day, I said, sometimes it's not that they are against you as much as they are for them. Mm. And so what we wanna do is say, okay, and by the way, I like a good fight. I do. You know, like, I'm, I'm feisty. It takes one to know one. But what I realized from competition, what I realized from business, and by the way, not everyone subscribes to this. So I understand that I, I may die by this sword as well. But I think there's a difference between fighting against, fighting for, and fighting with. And I prefer fighting for and fighting with. Even those guys that I was racing with, it took me a while to realize that we were racing with each other Versus against each other right and when I realized that I was able to let some of my own stuff go about what I thought about that or what I thought about what was fair or what I thought about Even the ridiculousness of oh this track is stupid or promoters not paying us enough or whatever it is And do my work and or even approach it Smarter the next time I did deal with the promoter or promote it smarter the next time I did address An unfair tactic.
1: In my mind, I'm thinking of like this amount of space in your brain. And the description you just talked about is like if you're worried about the track and you're worried about this, what this guy looks like, and all these other things, they're all distractions from that ultimate goal of winning. Though you're basically saying if you come in second or third, it's not like you've lost, you've finished. And there's a big difference between success, winning, and finishing. And I think I look at this as like this conversation is not finished. And it can't finish here in the end of this conversation. It's not gonna finish immediately. And so there's a certain amount of space that has to be created,
0: right? I'm married. It'll be 19 years. But my conversation was not finished January of 2002. It just began in a very (laughs) big way. Right. See what I'm saying? Like the work began in a very big way. And yes, I drop the ball sometimes. For sure. Plenty of times it's insert foot and mouth. Plenty of times I am misreading what the other party is saying. I'm guilty of that as well. Yes. However, is it because she doesn't like me? (laughs) Right. Well, she might not like me, but she loves me. But my point is, do I just put my hands up with it, blame and walk away? Or do I find a way to engage and or provide value from a relationship emotional standpoint and work through it? Now, that's not to say that there's not bad people. That's not to say that people cheat in sport or in life. I mean, it's mathematically possible. Like, yeah. But as bad as people can act or maybe are, there lives on the other side of the spectrum as great as we can be and as awesome as we can act and a whole bunch of in-between. And while I might have achieved one end of the spectrum professionally in sports or in business or whatever – I'd still say that I'm one of you. And by the way, you're one of me. I mean, so, so we are us. Yeah. I know I'm getting a little existential and philosophical here, but I think it's all part of the conversation. Again, it's in the work to try to understand and make things better. And the hard part, you know, I can feel bad for some of my friends because they want to do the right thing and they don't know what the right thing is. They don't want to say the wrong thing, even though they are compelled to empathize. So my responsibility to the black community is like, hey, we have to find a way to we can win here. Because it's also unfair to say, oh, well, you just don't understand. Why would they? Like, Why would someone who's 5'2 ever understand what it's like to be 7'4"? Now, if you hate the person who's 5'2 because you're 7'4, that's another issue. That's a whole other conversation. And yes, rules should be in place to help guard against that. So here's my question
1: to you, right? Maybe this is the ultimate question. This is the final question to the speakers who are not Black, to the speakers who want to support, they want to be here, but they're afraid of what to do or not. How important is it for them to stumble through, to search for the words and to actually have that conversation, to retweet something that's powerful online, to use the hashtag Black Lives Matter? Like, are we going to look back in six months and are all of them going to be like, damn, I missed it, but because I wasn't at the starting gate. So what do you say to speakers to get involved, what can they do?
0: It's like with most anything, I mean, a lot of the thing that holds anyone back is fear, right? Yep. That fear, but I will say, if you are a speaker, you have an advantage, which is, I'm guessing, you have learned or you are somewhat okay with being in front. At some point, you've reconciled with yourself, okay, attention's on me. And so it's not like you have to take out this big protest sign and wave it to the world, but you can, just like you did. Hey, Jason, let's have a conversation about. And that's that. And my belief is, maybe my hope, maybe my naivete, whatever. I tend to have a little bit of naivete because it keeps the sparkle in my eyes. Like <laughs> I don't, don't want to be completely jaded. But my hope, belief, and naivete tells me that this conversation alone, people seeing you and me speaking Working to work through it, whether they agree or not, has benefit. The hard part about right now, now I'm putting my psychologist cap on, is emotions are very heightened. So I can imagine there's people that might say, well, I'll just tell you because I've heard it. Oh, Jason's a sellout. Well, Jason's experience isn't typical. Oh, well, Ryan's just having him on because he's trying to get a good look. Yeah, and that's a real fear that you have. It's- well, that's why I'm talking about it. That's why I'm bringing it up. I'm recognizing all of this. And by the way, I'm taking that. But the truth is, my experience might not be typical. That's good. That's what we're fighting for. We want little black boys and black girls to have an, a shot at speaking in front of thousands of people and inspiring people of all walks of life. Or, or forget that being able to make a living and raise their family in a decent neighborhood. How about that? We want that to be typical. And on your side is, hey, (laughs) no, I actually met Jason. I think he might be kind of cool. And I want to hear what he has to say. And your proof of that is your continued willingness to have conversations with different people. And it's only over time. I use T-Mobile. I think of that pink square. Why? Because I see that pink square coming at me through my email, through a text, through ads. And so I just see it, see it, see it. It's so normal to me. And so this, we want to be normal. We want this exchange to be normal, normalize to neutralize. So if we can bring down that emotional heightened charge just a bit, then I think people can be more open to receive it, receive a message. I love it. I said
1: I had a final question, but I lied. The final question is how many dots does it take to make a line? Mathematically speaking. Um, Two? Correct. A line is a series of dots. And so that really came to mind when you said it's about this conversation. It's about continuing the conversation. I love to look at life as a series of dots. And if you just post one thing, that's just a dot. If you just talk with one friend, it's just a dot but it's us staying in touch and us continuing to have this conversation and have it with other people. It creates more dots and more dots. And it's only through the next dot that the line actually forms. And so what I'm trying to do is to continue to have these dots. And yeah, you you came top of mind as a super cool dude that pushed me up on stage as a volunteer. And like, we had a good moment there and I've seen the stuff that you're doing. So let's consider this, the second dot. And let's continue on with those dots.
0: Oh, I love it. Yeah, I have no problem making
1: cameos. So this will be great. Awesome. Well, I'll have to get you on my other 313 podcast. We'll talk, dig more about the business and how you're helping people on that experience. Cool. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jason. Uh, yeah, I appreciate your perspective. And as long as we're not racing bikes, then that's totally cool. Let's race with each other to try to really elevate, I think you said, to lower the emotions so we have a new normalized. And I think that's what we're all looking for. And I'm excited to see that. So. If somebody's going to find you and they need coaching or they need a speaker, where do you want to point them to?
0: Well, my Instagram's easy for the quick one-minute clinic. (laughs) (laughs) So that's at realdrjrich. That's at R-E-A-L-D-R-J-R-I-C-H. And then my website, drjasonrichardson.com. That's drjasonrichardson.com. If you message me, I will answer. I answer all questions that are posed to me. And as he said in the middle of this, sometimes the best speech
1: has a series of questions. So I encourage you to ask some questions, to answer some questions, even if you have to search for the words, just know that it means that much more when it comes out and you will make mistakes along the way, but we all make mistakes because we're all human. Proof
0: is in the pudding. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Shout out to Speaker Hub for sponsoring these types of conversations. And if you want to create a speaker profile, check out speakerhub.com. My name is Ryan. Jason, thank you so much. And we will see you on stage sometime soon. Please take
0: care.